And then basically it's me pretending to call you and you pick up the phone and it's like, oh, do you want to come onto my podcast? Blah, blah, blah. And that's what we do. So are you okay? <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> it was like a gag I did at the beginning and it's just stuck. So yeah. So good. <laughs> Hello. Oh my gosh, is this um is this Shelby Wilver? It is. Is this blessing? Oh my gosh, it is. I can't believe I'm talking to the famous creator of the storytelling uh. studio. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter me. <laughs> what, what what are you doing? I mean, is it not like 6 a.m. where you are right now? No, it's 10. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, just a few hours later. <laughs> well, it's definitely about 7 p.m. over here. Um, well, do you want to come on to my podcast? I'm just recording a little something today. Uh, yes, I would love to. I would love to. Well, okay, let's do it then. Let's do it. <laughs> I just think there's it's just everything that's happening in the world and what's going on and it just being aware and having it I think it's so interesting to like really be an adult now and pay attention to the things that I feel like I didn't even being a younger adult like in college I I paid attention to these things and I paid attention to what was happening around the world but really now being an adult and how it impacts me directly like it impacts my finances and my future and like actual life moves and understanding that impact more and the significance of it. Um, it's just a lot. Sometimes it's a little bit heavier to process. I feel like that's what I've been feeling lately. Mm. Yeah. I can, I can, I think I can resonate on a level. I mean, I don't, I don't expect anyone's experience to be the same, but I feel like I, I can, I get what you mean. Like on a yeah. level. Yeah. And it's, it's that like, I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when you, you hear so many stories when you're growing up about like, oh, there's a certain professionalism or there's a certain hat you have to wear when you enter the workspace. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, that's not going to be me. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be fine. And then you enter the workspace and then you find yourself putting on certain hats that you're like, I never thought I would be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's super, it's super interesting too, because I think I'm also at a point in my life where I'm realizing I'm becoming aware of it. So it's like, it almost felt like autopilot for so long because that's what I trained myself to do. And that's how I trained myself to act in spaces and to be, you know, and it's, it's weird because I've even had conversations with people in the past who are like, you know, you have, you, you represent your culture so well. And now, oh God, and now realizing like back then, I'm like, that's a, that is a heavy statement now to process and know like, wow. So I can only imagine what you were thinking about me or what you thought about other people that looked like me, but I was one of the anomalies. And I think that that's probably been something that I've shifted to in feeling is like, I'm not going to say that I, it used to be, it used to be the running joke that like, oh, you're the token, you're the token. And not even realizing and paying attention to the fact that like, whoa, you are, you're, you're one black female in a, in a space. And that, and that never crossed my mind until I feel like recent years where I've again, become more aware and just really started to understand and pay attention to things because I'm like, that's, at the time, it was like, oh, it's fun. You're a token. That's a joke. But now it's like, wow, I was really in those spaces as the only minority or, you know, being on a staff of 42 people and being one of two, two black people, you know, and it's kind of one of those things where you just try not to think about it because you don't want to call out. You don't you don't you already feel like and I don't know. If, I don't know how your experience has been before, but it's like when you are in spaces where you're one of the only where you feel like that already stands out a lot to you. So you just don't even want to draw attention to it and you kind of try to take away from it. Um, but now at the oh same time, I feel like I'm 
working to find power in that and saying, okay, if I am one of the only ones, here's how I can contribute to the narrative. Here's how I can really give my insight from my experiences so that maybe conversations can be had that never were had before. So. That's such a nice way of looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) And no, no, I'm not like, no, I'm actually, that's, that's like such a, a, a positive way of looking at it because I feel like I have sometimes just gone instantly to the place of just I don't want to be the only one and yeah. I mean I feel that's a justified response and that's as well. real like, too. that is justified too for sure because it's so tiring when you feel like you are the representative of the race or you are the representative of your culture yeah. like I, yeah. and also like when you're in a space when you when you know that oh anything that has okay have you ever had a situation where there's been anything that's kind of negatively in terms of like blackness has been like oh this happened or like oh somebody got hurt in this area or something like there was there was there was a quote-unquote riot they're not riots in this area and then have you have you instantly felt like sometimes guarded because if you are if you're like one of the few black faces in the space you feel like oh I have to I have to jump in or they're gonna expect me to say something or oh I don't want to say anything but I feel like I have to represent right now yeah I feel (laughs) that's crazy because I first of all I agree with your point too because that feeling comes in a lot of times where you do it's like I don't want to have to carry this I don't want to have to carry this conversation I already carry this in just existing who I am Um, and so, yeah, I feel that. And I think too, I've been in situations like that where I, and it's weird because sometimes I've spoke up and then other times I've just kind of not, and I don't know, like, it's still just a process for me, but I feel like, I guess I look at every situation that has come up like that. And the times that I did speak, I felt like it was very warranted where I was like, no, this needs to be addressed. And there needs to be kind of like an education point here in some sense. Like I can't just sit and let this conversation go. Cause I'm the kind of person where like, I just sit and observe, like (laughs) I mind my business and I let people say what they want to say. And I'm pretty guarded just naturally, unless I really want to share something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, unless I really want to share and like, I'm here, I'm just, hanging out. (laughs) Um, But I think going back, sorry, going back to your question. um, Yeah, I don't know. It it has, it's like, it's a challenge. It's that it's the flip of the coin. But I feel like for me, it's been times where I'm like, okay, I really need to say something here. And then there are other times where I'm just kind of like, ah, okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's so, it's so weird. But I feel like it ties into that feeling of sometimes you don't, you just don't want to have to carry the responsibility of being the representation. Mm. And it's definitely a personal, it's a personal decision to say something like if someone, like if you're in a work environment and then there's something that's being said about like a certain protest or some people who aren't understanding the meaning of black lives matter. I mean, every individual black person is within their right to whether they want to say something or they don't want to say something. I've been in situations yeah. where, like you're saying, I felt like, okay, I have to say something because this is completely wrong. And then yeah. there've been situations where I'm like, I mean, that wasn't correct, but I don't want to deal today. And I think anyone is valid in doing that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's honestly like, it's, I think, uh, there is one quote I think of a lot whenever I'm like, in that mid in between space about whether I want to say something or whether I don't want to say something it's like you always regret what you didn't say and I think about that a lot because I remember certain instances where I've been in university classrooms where I was the only black person and Mm -hmm. someone said something wild I remember when remember Rachel Dolezal oh my gosh Rachel When she came out, there was, it came out like she came, she didn't come out. When like, it was yeah. revealed that she was a white woman, there were so many conversations in my university classrooms. And then one and one conversation we'll have a discussion is of is it bad that she dressed up as a black woman if she was doing it to help black people? And I was sitting there, I was the only black person in that class, and I was like, all right, I guess it's me. So there were some people who were like, oh no, it's bad. But there, 
I see, and I still remember her to this day. There was this one white girl who was like, who raised her hand and was like, I mean, she, oh, she was American. I mean, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to imitate her. Um, <laughs> she was like, I mean, is it such a bad thing? Because it's like, she dressed up as a black person, but she was helping black people. What's so bad about that? And I was just sitting there like, oh, I know what I'm trying to say, but I can't form the words. And I put my hand up just as the bell rang and the teacher was like, okay, we're done for the day. I was like, no, I have I am not a costume. Black people are not a costume for you to put on and put up. That was literally going to be my point. See, yeah. I saw and yeah. it's just like situations like that. I always think in my head, I, I've had, uh, I, I'm guess, I've, I don't know if it's the same for you, Shelby, but I've had so many situations where I've been like, I wish I would have said something. So yeah. I think I've been trying to make, push myself more to say something, especially yeah. if someone is down by wrong. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I, I, and I, that's why I said, I feel like it's the past few years, it's been a growth of awareness because the more I become aware about it, I am, I am trying to do more and I'm trying to also creatively use my space to help drive that narrative and let people speak and share who are in our community. Because I think one of the things too, going back to your point, it's like, and I'm, I don't, I don't know if this has happened for you, but it's like, anytime a situation like that comes up, it's an instant process of thinking like, what will the weight of my words be? Because for me, there is, first of all, there's emotional attachment tied to this. But then second of all, there's the weight of wondering what impact this will have, how it will be interpreted moving forward, how I will be viewed based off of what I say. And it, it's almost, it's, it's really unfair when you think about yeah. it, because it's like, we're put in these positions to where you do, you, you have to question that. And it's kind of like, that's where I feel recently though, I've just tried to kind of overcome that fear and be like, look, I'm, I want to have this conversation or I'm going to tell you this and like, you need to take it for that value and know that it's coming from a place of me trying to help and educate and share information. And it's not malicious. Like I try to, I try, I guess, to, to put it out there in a way where like people understand, but again, still, there's always that fear of like, what will the repercussions of this be? And what's even scarier is when you don't necessarily have control over all the repercussions that can happen. For instance, I have a friend who um, that happened to probably like two or three years ago before a lot of the movement really started to pick up again, but it impacted her getting a promotion and it impacted her being able to move up in her job to eventually where she ended up going somewhere else. But like, she knows that it changed at that point after they had that conversation openly. And that is, since that's happened to her, it's kind of been just in the back of my mind always in any, in any realm of life outside of work, in your personal friendships and things like that. It's like, what is the repercussion? But then I think at the same time, it's like, you can't, at the end of the day, if you feel like you need to say something or that you feel compelled to say something, like you can't, you shouldn't have to suppress your own voice and your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions to appease other people. So that's what I've been trying to focus on, but it's, it's, it is, it's hard. It's kind of scary. It's, it's, it's very walking on eggshells ish. <laughs> you know, before we started recording, I was thinking to myself, I was like, we're going to talk about being the only black woman in spaces. I felt it in the soul. And I knew it. <laughs> I, was I, was like, I, don't, I don't plan these conversations, but I know it's going to come up. Uh, I mean, I'm glad. How did your friend navigate that? Because obviously I'm guessing she stayed in that role for a while. So was this something that she outwardly like confronted or did she just decide this isn't, I'm not going to be able to progress here. I'm just going to have to move on. Yeah. She, um, she didn't really confront it after that. And I think that's something that she feels now she wished that she had, but she kind of just thought it was better to go with the flow of just understanding what the organization felt. But I think that she feels now that was kind of an opportunity for her to do that. Um, and I know personally from, I just, I always think of it like, man, I, I, 
I don't know. I, it, it is, it's weird. It's just, it's all, and I keep saying it's weird, but it's like to be relatively conscious and understand what's happening and to really have to start to examine the systems that you've been raised in and trained to, you know, navigate and be in, it's really hard because it's just, it's like, it's constructing to deconstruct. Like I feel like so many parts of myself that I used to carry and hold on to 2020 has really made me look at with a hard lens and be like, are you, are you like this? Or is this because of this, the constructs that you force yourself to like act and exist in? So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. (laughs) Sorry, I, I know this is unhelpful for the people listening, but I literally had to pause. Shelby's just speaking facts. That, what you just said reminds me of that James Baldwin quote. Yeah. To, yeah, to be conscious, is it to be conscious in a Negro in America is to be like in a constant state of rage. Yes, and yeah. I, yeah, and I remember when I first read that and I was like, you're absolutely motherfucking right, Mr. Baldwin. <laughs> Absolutely right. I remember when I first started to examine the places I was or how I was treated or just why I was in certain spaces and I felt certain ways. Why do I feel like I have to adjust my language to make sure that white people understand what I'm saying because they don't have context for me as a Nigerian woman and the things of my culture and me as a black woman and the things of my culture coming from like East London or why yeah. do I feel like I have to explain my hair every time I enter a new space or why do I feel like I always have to have discussions about yeah. how I'm not an not a regular black person or I'm not like the other blacks yeah, that they've wow. met it's and I started to really analyze that and then I was like I I think one time it hit me I was like I as a black woman, this has just been my norm. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, then I thought about like, I had like a white roommate one time, and I was like, "This has never been a thing for you. You've never had to have conversations about racism with family members. You've never had to yeah. discuss situations where you know that oh, this person, the security guard is following you in the store, but mm-hmm. it's because of your like all these conversations that I know have been just like a part of my life." a white person or a white friend I know that will never have been a part of their life and I truly like sat there and I was like this is my reality because I am a black person in in just this if not even this age man it's just been a time just I am a black person and this is how I'm viewed and and it was like I felt like I just got I just got angry when it just clicked for me one day and I just I saw and that quote was like that was me in that moment I was just like angry and I had to figure out how to balance that anger with living my daily life because mm-hmm. it, it it became something that I felt like I would I would just yell at every white person I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfair, I know. But I I just felt it in my soul. I was like, I was like, this isn't fair. And I just wanted to yell and be like, you don't understand. Yeah. I am aware and it just isn't fair. Oh my gosh, bars. But <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my I, God. I, I, oh my gosh, like you're dropping facts too. So we're just, <laughs> we're just here on the same page. Um, that is very interesting because I think recently I've had conversations with friends and a lot of it has come to understanding that privilege um and recognizing it because i think what happens is privilege gets put as this we i mean there are obviously like physical material aspects of privilege but i think what happens is we lose we there is emphasis loss when people don't acknowledge all types of privilege and sometimes the smallest privileges that seem on a scale if you're looking like they're not a big deal that is a big deal that is that the privilege to be able to not have to have these conversations or the privilege to be able to not change your hair change your hair and not have people ask you or come to work with extensions and people still not ask you or 
you know, to be able to go to a store and shop freely and feel like you can do whatever you want in the store and not feel like you have to like walk a certain way and not touch stuff. Like I've been awkward in stores before to the fact where like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm not going to grab too many things at one time. And like, I'm carrying a bunch of shopping bags already. So let me make sure that I don't have a bunch. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what in the world? Like, what? Is you know, but it's like that in itself is a privilege to be able to mm-hmm. go somewhere and exist and do things as you feel without ever wondering what the repercussion will be. You know, it's like it's even interesting with so much stuff that's been happening. It, it when you do go places and you still feel like, oh my gosh, I need to be, I need to be quiet or I need to be on my best behavior. I need to do that, and it's just it's hard. So I think where that comes from is I've been really trying to show people to privilege isn't just like how much money you have and the access to things, which yes, those are driving factors, socioeconomic, like the we could, that could be a whole conversation in itself. But I think it's, it's bringing that human element back and reminding people that like, there are daily privileges that you have that we don't, and we just don't have them and they don't exist. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm click clicking right now. Cause again, Shelby speaking fact. I felt like it's just going to be a constant <laughs> phrase. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so you say you've like had conversations about making, like making sure people realize that privilege isn't just, oh, you have wealth and you exist in this place of, oh, you can buy anything on your wealthy and you're rich but that they understand that there's elements of privilege that as a white person you'll get just because of the color of your skin, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. Mm-hmm. Has that been easy conversations to have? Obviously not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't, but then it also has. And mm-hmm. the, where it has been is talking to people who I can tell genuinely want to know and learn. Um, over the summer, I've actually met some girls who in a in kind of like, a group setting and they they were wonderful and are wonderful about having these conversations um and i think that's because the genuine interest is there to understand and it goes a layer deeper than like just trying to understand to check a box so that it's kind of like okay yeah you know i'm just letting you know that i'm here but like really having conversations and wanting to understand the people who those conversations have been easier with are because we've both been able to let down our guard and they've been able to let down their guard and share things that they not necessarily are proud of. But I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's shouldn't be that way, but this is my experience. And so we're having these like collaborative conversations about it and it's been really fruitful and the harder conversations come usually when you can tell there's a bit of resistance there or it's just awkward because for some people it's an uncomfortable subject to talk about. And I think that's something again, that I, I realize now, cause I I've, I've done blog writing for years and I always was writing about things. So it's sometimes it's easier to just say words when you're not saying them to people. Um, but I think it's, it's not an easy subject for people to talk about. No, but it's necessary. And so I've just, the harder conversations have been having to kind of remind people of that as well. Like, no, this isn't a very easy conversation to have, but we should have it if you're open to having it right now, because this is how I'm feeling. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been a mix of things I'd say. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Do you find yourself sometimes having to remind yourself about why these conversations are necessary? Cause I feel like sometimes I remember at the beginning of the like I think call it like the resurgence of like the movement this year there were so many conversations about how we as black people don't need to feel uncomfortable about having these conversations anymore we need to get comfortable with the fact that we don't need to feel uncomfortable I mean racism is something we do to ourselves. so I feel like some it's been especially in recent weeks I've had to remind myself that I don't need to feel uncomfortable to have these conversations and that these are just facts and I should not feel like I need to slip back into that previous place of being like oh I don't want to get too riled up or offend anyone too much but it's like yeah needs to be said yeah I that's so true and I feel like that's a constant thing for me is trying to remind myself 
if you look at me this year compared to who I was like three or four years ago, it's like night and day. Cause I just avoid, I used to be that person that would like avoid all sensitive topics. Like I think it was just my public relations training background where I was always like, we're keeping it here. It stays here. But like this year, it, it really in general, I feel like I've spoken up the most I ever have in my life. And I think that is part of it is taking away that taking away the onus off of us to feel that guilt and that shame and I kind of try to look at it also as like when not not necessarily comparing different struggles of that sense but like if someone talks about their experiences in abuse we don't necessarily it's not necessarily like it we it's kind of like there's there's more acceptance talking about other things sometimes. And that's something that I've realized too, that I'm kind of like, okay, it's easier to talk about other issues that are happening, but we should have that same grace with ourselves to know that we can have, we can open up and we can share our stories and we don't have to make people feel bad. I think where that guilt comes in sometimes is because it's so, unfortunately, it's so ingrained in just the structure of our society even from a historical sense and understanding like history and colonialism and all of those things like that, it goes way deeper. So it's woven into the pattern of everything that we know now as where sometimes it's easier to talk about other things because while it is a part of history and it is in things, it's just not as deeply integrated. And so um, I've really had to remind myself that it's okay. It is okay to talk about these things and it's okay to be open and, to not feel bad because yeah, I, you will go into that wave of suddenly feeling like, Oh man, maybe I should, maybe I should not, I should just step back. But then it's like, well, no, that's my story. That's my identity. It's who I am. And so I shouldn't be ashamed of speaking about those experiences either. Again, facts by Shelby. Again, <laughs> 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 just, just, just yes. Okay, yes. Because we have been conditioned to feel guilty about saying something that is true about our experiences. Like racism is a fact that a lot of people live with, a lot of non-white people live with. And we have been made to feel like society has made us feel that that's a taboo subject, that we don't discuss it. It's mm -hmm. something that's proper because, oh, we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable, other people usually being white people or the people in positions of power because mm -hmm. we should just accept that, oh, it's the way things are and we'll, fi we'll, find our, we'll find out ways to deal with it. And instead of addressing like the really insidious small things, we're told to focus on the big things, the people calling us slurs yeah. in the streets, the people like tagging cars with like racist symbols. But when it comes to the smaller stuff, it's as if we're meant to just deal with it as like part of a black experience. Yeah. And yeah, I think this, like, especially the last few months, I've had a lot of conversations with you and with like some of my friends outside of work, just about how there are certain things that, we as black people have just like accepted as a norm and yeah. we just we and we've not never voiced it to other like to white people that we've known or to our friends mm -hmm. but the minute we voice it we're like damn that is actually really fucked up and we shouldn't <laughs> have to deal with that none of us yeah. should have to deal with that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah like i saw a tweet today um because twitter is my thing like when i <laughs> you know before before work i i really need to stop going on it like in the morning because sometimes it's my mood um but someone in fact and i'll set the scene i was on the toilet <laughs> and i was i was on the app <laughs> and um there was uh, this guy, I can't remember her handle. I'll find it afterwards. She tweeted, did you guys have those friends who would just randomly tell you that their parents or their family members are racist? And then I thought by and I was like, yeah. Yes, and I was like, yeah, that was a thing. And why was that a thing? Like, do you want a cookie because you're not? Or do you just want to like <laughs> laugh? At what, why do I need to know that your family is racist? This is. Right. What does it do for us here? What does it do? <laughs> if anything, sometimes I it's 
it's a double-edged sword because it's like, on one hand, again, you know that it's necessary to be acknowledged so that these conversations can continue to happen. But then at the same time, it's like, ah, well, that makes me feel like weird. Like, what did your family think about me when I was around? Or if they feel this way about, you know, and and then it just sends you into that spiral. I, It's kind of not even a spiral. I guess it's a cycle. I was talking to my cousin about it and I was just saying like, I feel like I'm in an emotional cycle. Like I'm in a washer machine, <laughs> washing machine, just going around in a circle because I start up here. I feel good. I'm like, yes, I want to contribute. I want to do this. And then you just start paying attention. And then you're like, man, I kind of feel weighed down by this. And then it gets to the point where you're like having those kind of conversations. And then you start to think like, oh my gosh, well, what do they think about me? And then you start going into retrospect about all of your own past things. And I was talking to her, I was just saying like, sometimes it's hard to have these conversations too, because it's opening old wounds. It's literally opening old wounds every time you have to tell a story. It's literally opening old wounds every time you have to reshare about a bad work experience you had or something that happened to your family or something that happened to you, you know? And so it's kind of like, it's just a catch because you want at the same time, I feel so driven and I want to storytelling is what I love to do. It's what I love to do. And at the same time, you, you find the balance as an artist of saying, okay, well, how can I have people tell their story, but also not inflict this feeling onto them? Because that's what we're all feeling on a daily basis, just trying to get through and get through the next thing and see what the next news cycle is going to say and what else is going to happen, you know? And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really, I don't know. I just feel like I've been completely transparent. I've, it's been a struggle for me this summer. And while like on the outside, it may seem like I'm really, you know, trying to do stuff with my storytelling studio or having conversations and being open and a part of groups and stuff. I'm just, it's, it's kind of emotionally overwhelming. And so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like people don't want to talk about that either. I think a lot of times it's that narrative of like, Oh, you're the strong woman. Like you can do this and carry it all. But um, I had, I have a friend who lives in Brooklyn and she runs an incredible platform where she curates art experiences and has these kind of conversations in context with them. Um, And they're so wonderful, but her first, she's kind of breaking down different archetypes and stereotypes within um, just our community. And one of the ones that she did was about, you know, having the armor Saul and the idea of women being black women, particularly having to carry the strength and the weight of everything and what that does to us. And I think that it's, it's different for it's, it's different within the context of everything, but black women in particular, we carry so much and we are expected to do so much as well. And it's, it can be, it can be really challenging, but at the same time, I just try to shift my focus back to being positive about it and trying to know that at least right now it's being acknowledged and things are happening in different ways than they have ever before. And I think now with the power of social media and platforms, people can really start to create and share that narrative, but it is going to be a balance and it's a long road ahead (laughs) for sure. Definitely. definitely. Do you, what do you usually do when you start to feel overwhelmed or just like kind of consumed by the weight of it all? Again, right now on that, um, that would have been the perfect screenshot. You can just make that the screenshot for the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, but I know, I think now I've gotten better because what it used to be, which is funny, not, I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, it's interesting that 2020 is what it is because for me, it used to be just go, go, go. Like I would go to a bunch of happy hours and I go to a bunch of events and I take a bunch of classes, dance classes. And I would, you know, like try to distract myself. And now because we don't have access to those things this year, really for me, it's been more about tuning into myself. So when I do feel, when I start to feel really overwhelmed, like I've turned off all my notifications on social platforms and stuff just to 
save myself the mental space. Um, but I will disconnect from social media, do something fun that just kind of like takes my mind off of it and doesn't make me feel any kind of pressure. So whether that's drawing or writing or playing the Sims, I don't know, you know, like (laughs) different things that just remind me or, you know, getting outside or spending time with Evan and, you know, just, I don't know. I think the main thing is just trying to take myself away, but in a healthy way that still pours into me and isn't like me just running from the problem or running Mm. from addressing it. Evan is Shelby's boo if you guys want to <laughs> just, just flash a clarifier for those who might not know you in real life <laughs> oh my goodness I just I just for the people you know just in case <laughs> <laughs> I mean from okay I have a question for you like oh okay I've, oh okay <laughs> um, we're so I mean, it was even news to me when we first were planning for all of our DNI stuff that UK had Black History Month this month. Um, and yeah. it mentioned about the fact that a lot of your Black history has been taught from an American lens. So what, how outside of that, what has that been like in terms of learning about your cult or learning about black culture in the UK? Like, is it how, I, I guess I just, my question around that is like, I didn't even think that. I just thought that you all had your own base of history. So what, what how do you feel about that? Like, what is. You would you know? think we would have our own base of history. Um, it's so interesting because you, I wanted, the next point I wanted to move on to was like, talking about being a black woman like an american black woman and a black british woman and just like how there's nothing the same so look just you, you just <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when it comes to black history month in this country like like you said we have ours in october and in the u.s you celebrate in february um the history behind that is actually because i think we realize we saw that Black History Month has been recognized in America. And then um, there was Black History Like Awareness Week. And I think it was placed in the UK in October. But then it became a full month celebration. Mm-hmm. And outside of school, Black History Month is like amazing. When I went to university, I think that's when I fully like fell in love with Black History Month. I always recognized it as like October is Black History Month. There'll be posters around school, there'll be things going on. But when I got to uni, so like, when I was like 18 to about 22 that was when I truly saw what it could be because we had like a lot of black societies on campus Mm -hmm. and they would like organize all kinds of events historical fun like social and I really just saw like the black community in my university come together to produce like all these amazing things Mm -hmm. and then I think it just made me realize that a lot of the things I got taught in secondary school and primary school always from either the black American perspective or they were strictly to do with slavery Mm -hmm. and Britain's small role in it. I put small in air quotes Um, because obviously like colonialism, slavery, a lot of that originated in this country. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one thing I realized is that in school, whenever it came to Black History Month, it would be a lot about slavery and then the civil rights movement in the US so it wasn't until I began to do my own reading outside of school Mm -hmm. I've discovered that there were movements that occurred in the UK people came over because honestly if you if I had based my knowledge on being black in Britain before like I became fully aware that I was black as an individual I would have just thought that segregation and all kinds of discrimination only happened in the U.S. because of how they taught us. Because, honestly, because in my mind, I was taught about the civil rights movement in America. And then it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized, okay, there wasn't like, there wasn't like strict, strict segregation in this country, but there was definitely signs that said, okay, there's one famous sign. When um, black immigrants came over to this country to kind of try and live and find work especially when they were welcomed into this country so like the Windrush generation yeah, came from, yeah. yeah when they were welcomed into this country there were a lot of signs that said 
no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. And basically it was like landlords like banning these three wow. things that they decided to group together because they did not want to house they did not want to house Irish people, didn't want to house black people, they didn't want to house dogs. And you know, on the same level. Wow. Um yeah. and it was a lot of like discovering that the UK is a lot more racist than the school that schools would like to teach you and they would like to let on. Mm-hmm. And because because of the way that Black History Month was kind of explored in secondary school, there were kind of there were bits where black teachers would try and make sure we learnt more outside of the classroom. So they would host like fashion events and they would try and celebrate like a lot of the students in the school were Nigerians. So they would try and celebrate like African culture and they would also bring like um some kind of like some Caribbean culture into the school as well. But in terms of in the classroom, it was a lot, it was very American focused. And that makes a lot and that can like really center a student's mind in that oh a lot of the like Americans had it worse that's Mm -hmm. like what the mindset is like oh black Americans had it worse and we are so lucky to be here but Mm -hmm. as a black person growing up you realize you feel it you feel it inside you you're like that's not right but you can't always pinpoint it till you start re-educating yourself outside of the classroom I think that's why a lot of the movement over here has been about in like updating the curriculum and ensuring that like black British history is taught in the curriculum because yeah. of course our history is not just struggle in this country a lot yeah. of what we've done has contributed to how the, like I mean a lot of what we've done like the Windrush generation has contributed yeah. to how the country has been built but yeah. we don't get taught about that in school we rarely get taught about that in school wow that is that's so interesting to me and I feel like I feel like it's kind of similar on this side, um, but in a deeper sense, because we just, education, again, another podcast we could have. (laughs) I grew up in a family of educators, so education is like, it's a big thing for me, and I've just always valued school and learning, Um, but that's, I think, it is interesting, and we, we've talked about this before, how Black history is always really either through the lens of the civil rights movement or slavery, which both obviously are very critical narratives to share about Black history, but there is so much in between, and there's so many contributions and things. And I feel like even just this summer, I started to learn a lot more because when people were creating articles and sharing things of like influential Black people that you didn't know and who are paving the way and doing different things, and you start to realize like there is a deeper history there, or like even even an aspect of what Erin had mentioned the other day about Black Wall Street. That is a huge piece that I didn't learn until I was in college. Like I mm. that was not in any textbook that I had. Um, and I don't remember rem- learning about it in history at all throughout K through 12. And so it's just, it's in, it's finding ways to provide access to that information too, because not everyone can afford, I, I learned that in a class at university, but like truly everyone can't afford to go to university or everyone doesn't have access to the same opportunities to learn or be exposed to different things. And so it's finding ways to, share that and again that kind of takes me back to the social media aspect of like even though it is a crazy place sometimes (laughs) and the internet is like whoa what um there is also so much power in it and exposure to provide accessibility to people who may not be able to reach that so but that's i i just i don't know it's Again, it's that whole cycle of becoming aware of things. And I know education has been a big one that I've become aware of too, the lack of education that has been shared about our culture. Mm, I think a lot of what I've liked about a lot of like the protests and discussions that have been happening these past few months is the discussion around bettering education so not because like you said like not everyone will go to university and have their mind opened Mm -hmm. by realizing oh there is more to black history than slavery in the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. it's in an ideal world everyone would be able to be educated in like the base in not in the basics but from like the mandatory education ages about 
aspects of black history that isn't just focused on those two things because like you said those are important and key things in the history of the world but that isn't just all that black people's history is Mm -hmm. and it would I would love to be able to like in the future send my kid to uh, what was it like primary school and just they come back to me with like a little drawing that they've done of like oh the black figure that influenced you know um, that influenced them in England or whatever just things that a multifaceted history because I feel like history like that phrase history is told from the perspective of the victors so yeah. they will always box what we get taught and how people and how it gets taught because even yeah. the way that the civil rights movement has been taught a lot of the things that were planned and that were like mapped out by black people to like receive liberation have been presenting to, presented to us as like oh it was just it was just it was just you know but you know it was, it was easy it was a thing what was the same? <laughs> right. Same right like that was planned that was like actually <laughs> planned and structured and like yeah. oh Malcolm X was like too what was it a uh, two militant and Martin Luther King was you know he was peace and love but no the divide was not that clear yeah like, yeah. yeah it's just I would love to see education like at a base level be taught in a more equal way and I'm hoping that's what's coming because yeah. I mean right now social media is great and I hope but that it, needs to be in, it needs to be in curriculum for sure yes yeah, yeah. definitely yeah I think that's an interesting point too. Um, I was just talking about it the other day, actually, Evan and I were about even being black in the U S there adds a layer of, you're not really attached. You're not necessarily attached to an African culture and like heritage, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. Because it's another James Baldwin. He just, he's great. But um, basically he said to be African-American is African without any memory and American without any privilege. And that thought to me, like when I saw, I saw it a few days ago again, and I was just like, man, that's kind of true because not only do I feel disconnected here just because of my identity, I also feel very disconnected from African culture and understanding our ancestry and how great it was. Cause that's another element of curriculum. It's like before, before slavery happened, like we were doing things, you know, and had been for generations. And so that idea of I'm trying to learn more about that right now and understanding different cultures, but it does still feel a bit of a disconnect for me because I'm like, I, I don't have that direct tie. So it's, some people deal with that and then there's layers. It's just, it, it's crazy how deep the layers go of understanding identity within Black culture. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that was like so fascinating to me when I was younger because I'm, I guess I'm first or second generation immigrant, which basically means like I was born here, but my parents immigrated here. Mm-hmm. And so I have that, understanding of my Nigerian heritage there's still a bit of a disconnect so it's it's I've always thought that it's so interesting because when I used to think of black Americans when I was younger I was like oh their parents must have come from Nigeria too and then it wasn't until I learned more about how a lot of black Americans like came to be there that I was like oh so they don't know if they're Nigerian or if they're Ghanaian or what part of the continent they came from. And I guess that's like another way in that I'm privileged in the sense that I have that, I have that connection. But at the same time, I definitely acknowledge that I do, I kind of relate to that kind of not fully understanding it in a different sense, because I'm never going to claim that it's the same, but there's, there's an awareness by me that I've always felt like I've lived in some kind of liminal space, whereas I'm not English enough for here, but I'm not Nigerian enough for home. Yeah. And if I ever go yeah. back, it will be like, oh, you're English. But here, I'm Nigerian. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I'm a foreigner here, I'm a foreigner over there. It's like, yeah. do you exist in either space? And I guess that's kind of like a similarity. It's, mm-hmm. it's oh, yeah. but no, definitely, yeah. That's, uh, and, that's such a great point. And and then so you layer that into your experience, your daily experience. And I just, it's, 
I think there, again, it ties back to there's so many intricacies of the way what we what we experience, it fills into our lives. And whether we consciously or subconsciously are experiencing them, it's happening, you know? So it's, yeah, that's very, that's a, man. The, the diaspora is uh, <laughs> the multifaceted thing. I mean, yes. It's it's like I would like oh, I would just love for you to find out if you know you got some Nigerian in you. I know. Got, I've heard, so yeah. have you heard of Twenty Three and Me? Oh, I've heard of Twenty Three and Me, <laughs> but I'm a lucky conspiracy theorist, and I will not give them my DNA. <laughs> but if you do it, I would love to. I don't know. I know. That's. I mean, honestly, that's the reason why I haven't. Though I'm kind of. I'm still just a little <laughs> bit weirded out by it, but. I think I'm going to do it for Christmas and try. (laughs) I will let you know. (laughs) Yes, please do. Because that's also what I love. Like, even though our experiences of, like, distance from the continent are different, there's still, like, a familiarity in the sense that Mm -hmm. we see each other and we're also trying to learn more about back home. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn, like, my parents' language, which is Yoruba, because I understand it. My best friend. Like her dad is her dad is Nigerian, and that's Yoruba. (laughs) It's like it's, and that's like how I'm trying to connect because I want to be able to travel back and also be able to speak to family members that don't speak English or like not get completely ripped off when I go to the market. But it's like there's there's that layer, and like you trying to. You trying to do twenty three with me, and I mean, you saw your DNA if you want to, Shelby. But at the same time, I'm happy to know. Wait, just you know, let me know. Uh, <laughs> it's a commodity. You gotta do what you gotta do if you wanna find out, and that's fine. But yeah, there's that, there's that need to like feel that connection and understand, and that's why Black Panther. When Black Panther came out, I think it's something that bound the diaspora together because we were all like watching it yes. and those of us who were either on the continent or anywhere else in the world were like yes yo imagine can you imagine yes I- yes I agree I agree so much I still remember when I first saw it and I was just like ah it, it was so overwhelming it was like <laughs> it was such an experience but I think that's exactly what it was is because it it brought all of us together in that feeling of like, imagine if, like, what if, and I think it also sparked, it sparked that, it sparked a fire, I feel like in a lot of people, again, to realize, like, maybe it won't ever be on the scale of Wakanda. (laughs) But we can start creating that and creating that sense and really driving our own narrative in society. And what we contribute and what we do. I think it was a, it was a very pivotal point of just, it was like a reinvigorating inspiration for a lot. And I think that's, it's kind of helped carry a lot of the conversations and more of the movements that have come up now too. Yeah. I remember watching it in the cinema and like, it was back when I was at university. So we were in like the local, cinema which has like three screens but I walked into the cinema and there were like it was full of black people all the black students because there were like three universities in my town so like all the black students come on like opening night and we were all like some of us were dressed in like like oh so there's um in Nigeria there's like this traditional fabric which is called Ankara and we make like different outfits out of it so Mm -hmm. I was there with my Ankara trousers some people like my friend she's Bangladesh from Bangladesh she was wearing like her traditional dresses we were like I mean no it weren't a lot of us but some of us were like you know what we came to represent and then (laughs) I was like seeing all these black people in the cinema I was like oh my gosh I have never seen this many black people in Kent in one space this is amazing oh my gosh and Whenever, like, when Mbaku said he barked, when he was like, <laughs> when Shuri said, ah, you scared me, colonizer, it was like <laughs> laughter. The few white people in the audience were laughing too, but all I heard was black <laughs> laughter. And I was like, this is, this is just what, this is what I need, this is what I want. <laughs> it was such, 
an amazing experience. And the, the unity I felt in that room with just the black people in the cinema was something that I could imagine. Like, I saw so many videos of people going to premieres and going to different places in their hometowns yeah. with a bunch of other black people. And I was like, this unity is just being felt across the world. And it was so beautiful. And me and my friend, when we left, we looked at each other more like, I've never seen that, that many black people on a screen in a in a Marvel film, just in any film mm-hmm. for so long. And we were like, "Wow, why do people be feeling like this all the time?" <laughs> like just everyone apart from two characters is black. Like, wow, that's so nice. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It is, it is life. I feel for everything that I have felt this year, I feel really, I feel really optimistic, at least for myself on my own personal journey of understanding. Um, And, and there's still so much that I have to learn. And I, there's still so much that I know I need to expose myself to and become aware of but I feel like I'm on the right track and because I have the awareness and the drive that I want to learn more about it and I'm actively doing that um because I think that's that's the big thing it's like yes you can be aware but the next step of action is is putting it into action it's it's moving it's it's making moves on it and so it's like you know I think even that's been interesting the last few months where it's kind of like there was a time where all of these book resources were going around and people were asking about accounts to follow and articles to read and resources and things like that. And it's like, I don't know where that is. I don't know where that is, where they are in those journeys of that. But I know for myself that I'm continuing to move forward and I'm being actionable about taking in more knowledge and doing things and getting involved in more things that can help. So it's, it just comes down to the fact of like, at the end of the day, it's all, it's you taking responsibility as an individual and understanding that if you want to help and you want to make the change, it all starts with us. And it all starts with us doing our work on our end one by one. So we can come together collectively to do things, but it it definitely starts with us. So I'm just trying to be mindful of that and be like, it starts with me. I need to be aware of this before I try to tell other people what to do and how to say and do all of that. It's like, it starts with me. So that's what I'm trying to use to get through is like <laughs> me. I'm one small person, but I can, I, as long as I'm trying to make the change in myself, like. My, me changing myself and my perspective and the way I approach things will help naturally just do that for other people too. That's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to end the episode. Uh, Shelby, that's, that's, that's amazing. And no, I mean, honestly, like I just, it's just, it's yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like I think you can get so, uh, even as an individual who's aware, I can definitely say that I am guilty of being like, oh, I'm aware. I don't necessarily need to read this right now. or I don't need to fully like absorb this article right now. I don't need to watch this right now. I mean, it's my life and I'm aware to a level, but that doesn't just because I am aware to a level doesn't mean the understanding and learning has to stop. And that right. goes for anyone, whether you're like yep. you're black or you're non-black, the under, like learning shouldn't be stopping. It shouldn't be like, oh, I did enough for, you know, when the protests were going on and now, you know, I'm fully woke. It's a yep. con- you, you're constantly learning and absorbing and trying to educate yourself because this system that we're in has made us think and act a certain way for so long. And it's going to take years of work to deconstruct it. Yeah. Maybe not even in our lifetimes, but I right. mean, hey. It's and I think that's it. It's like it may not happen in our lifetime. We may not get to see it, but hopefully the steps that we're taking and the actions that we're doing can guide the way like they have for all the other generations before us. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I was even about to call on the old Yoruba spirits, but I know my mom, my very Christian mother is probably listening outside of this. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I really thank you for coming on, Shelby. Uh, This is honestly like I I've loved every episode, but I feel like this is just it's made me tear up. It's made me my warm. It's just this is just been just full of emotion. I've loved this episode. Thank you so much for coming. You, you're so welcome, and I'm excited to have you on the storytelling studio too. Oh my god, yes! Actually, before you go, plug. uh, Oh my god, no, no, no. (laughs) Please, please let the people know. Okay, okay. So I um I do an interview series, an IGTV, well, IG Live, then translated over to IGTV interview series called The Storytelling Studio. And it started off this summer because I did want to hear the narratives of black change makers, creators, and people. I feel like in the creative space, a lot of times our stories aren't told. So I wanted to just give people a platform to share. Um, it's it's slowly evolving and expanding as time goes on. So I'm just reaching out and really trying to highlight stories of all backgrounds. But I um, am particularly very excited to have Blessing on because <laughs> we're going to kind of talk about the same thing too. And I think... Um, it's just good. It's good to hear. So if you want to follow me, you can on social media, just click my tag in this post on the post on, you know, the thing I'm bad at this because I don't like talking about myself. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you can follow me and they're usually every Sunday and I share updates and stuff, but yeah. Thank you for coming on Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so excited. I'm so excited to be on the storytelling studio. I'm like, I don't, I just, I'm excited. I feel like I want us to talk more, but, you know, time and life and things that have to be done. But thank you so much, everyone that listened. And um, please tune in next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.